again and welcome to episode 10 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest is Garrett Palkey, who runs one of the top restyling shops in the country with his sister, Courtney, who also happens to be a columnist for the Shop magazine. Garrett's a second-gen owner of Top Coverage based in the Chicago area and now with a new location in Wisconsin. Don't forget, and I promise not to let you forget, that you can hear this episode as well as all past and future episodes on your favorite platform, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at our website, theshopmag.com. So without further ado, let's get in gear with Garrett. You know, Courtney, your sister, writes for The Shop magazine, and, uh, you know, one of the things that she wrote about was kind of uh, responding to what was going on with the pandemic with your business. And I was curious about what adjustments you've made to mitigate the impact of the pandemic on your business, like what's worked, what hasn't. Yeah, so um, I guess right off the bat, when everything started to happen, uh, mainly like March and April, uh, we focused on running as cost efficient as possible. Things like, you know, reducing waste and recycling pickup to like twice a month instead of weekly. Um, we also park certain company vehicles that uh, we felt we may not need um, in order to reduce like, you know, the cost on the coverage plans. So there's a bunch of um, bunch of aspects of cost cutting running a little bit leaner until we figured out where this pandemic was going to was going to head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what were you finding? What was the what was the impact, and what has been the impact over the last how many months has it been now? It's hard to calculate these days. Right, right. Well, the impact we saw right off the bat, you know, some short term sales uh, that, that just kind of kind of went down mainly in April, um, but everything kind of bounced back up in May and June. Luckily, we were categorized as a uh, essential business. So we were able to keep operating during that time. But yeah, there's definitely a huge drop in sales in April. But, you know, everything started to come back and the auto industry has been doing okay, um, except, you know, the inventory issues that dealerships are facing. That's what we're currently dealing with. Mm -hmm. And how are you dealing with those inventory issues? So what I think has kind of helped a little bit is, you know, customers, They because they don't have inventory, you know, not a lot of vehicles will have like a sunroof, for example, and um, so we're actually getting a little bit more business coming in on some accessories on because, you know, certain trim levels aren't even on their lot. So that's kind of helped in our favor a bit. But also, you know, we kind of focus on having our sales team push for uh, showroom cars to kind of, you know, get a few extra sales in the doors that, that we can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Are there certain accessories or products that are moving more than others during this time? Have you seen any anomalies there that you might not have seen had the pandemic not occurred? Yeah, something that was kind of interesting is all of a sudden we had a dramatic jump in sunroof sales. Mm. It, it, for some reason, just jumped and I I, can't, I honestly, I have no explanation for it. <laughs> right. Maybe people just like feeling the wind through their hair when they have to get out and go inside and wear a mask. Maybe they just right. like that, the air going over them. I don't know. Right, it's interesting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, one of the other subjects that uh, Courtney has tackled in her articles, and you know, it's it's been a big thing with the SEMA Pro Council, are packages. What are y'all finding? What types of packages in your area are popular among various demographics? I would say as a whole, you know, a lot of two-tone type designs on exterior vehicles is pretty popular, such as these things called Rover packages, where 
we do like a black roof half and then um, the lower half we do, you know, black wheels or chrome deletes. Mm. Deletes in general has been very popular. I would say uh, around all demographics. I think that's just a trend that's going around debadging, uh, removing chrome, just things of that nature has been, uh, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of success with. Right. And do you have various packages for various trim levels? Correct. Yeah. So we'll do like a comfort package. So that would consist of is, you know, like a sunroof, heated seats and a remote starter. Um, and that usually will come into a, a different trim level vehicle, mm-hmm. like a Honda uh, sport um, that usually works really well. So some of the packages that we're uh, that we're providing, one that I already mentioned, the Rover package, which is uh, pretty much a full blackout window tint, chrome deletes, um, two tone, which is uh, you know like a like a Range Rover half top, and then we have a sport package, which is uh, leather with custom stitch. So you can do like a black leather red stitch. Uh, we black out the emblems, add w- window tint, and then we uh, powder coat the wheels a gloss black. We got a vertex package, which is like a sunroof with window tint, gloss black roof. So it kind of gives it that panoramic style roof uh, with the sunroof we put in and we black out the emblems on that. And then uh, the cover package, which I mentioned, which is a leather interior with heated and cooled seats, uh, sunroof with tint and a remote starter. So those are those are a few that we've been doing that have been uh, very popular. How do you come up with the packages? Uh, we kind of see what a lot of our customers um, tend to package together. And then we kind of play around with, well, what would make sense is, you know, if we're doing heated seats and, and window tint, well, that's, that's nice. You got the kind of shady inside with the warmth on your seats. Why not add a remote starter? That only makes sense. You know, start your car in the morning, you got heated seats and they're, they're warming your butt up right before you even get in it. Do you take your cue from the dealerships? So interestingly enough, sunroofs and leather has something that has been something that has gone together for many, many years. It's just been a very popular. That's basically what we offered for, you know, before I took over is sunroofs and leather. And for some reason, that's just a product that goes together. Mm. You just kind of take what we see from that and say, well, what would make sense to add into that that a customer might also see as a, a great option in addition to you know, as far as like the Rover package, for example, black wheels, window tint and a uh, black roof. That's kind of what we would just go with. And then the more we think about it, it's like, well, we still have chrome accents. There's a three tone on this thing. Maybe it would make sense if we got rid of all the chrome. You know, that might actually have a better appeal to the customer um, than just the, the original product that was working well. But maybe maybe in addition to might be better. Gotcha. So top coverage started in 1975, as I understand it. And so y'all been in business for a long time. When did y'all really transition from your father, Henry, to you and Courtney kind of taking over the business and running it on a day to day basis? Yeah. So back in 2011 is when I started. Um, Courtney had been here for a little while, but basically from 2011, 2012, it was kind of, you know, getting the kinks out. But after after 2012, it was pretty much all up to our control to, you know, move the uh, business in a positive direction. Right. And what did you uh, find out through that transition? Was there were there things that you could share with other shops who might be going through a generational transition as well that you learned from that? I would say your your family members could be your best friend or worst enemy. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, but no, as long as you're able to collaborate well together, um, that's that's half the battle. But um, one major thing that I think as far as transitioning, as long as you're able to keep the values of what a successful business, what that's made that business successful 
um, and, and keep that at your core, I think that that will be probably the best advice I can give. Yeah. And what was it at the core that you think makes the business successful over time? Yeah, I firmly believe that quality workmanship um, and offering a quality product, I think that that's a, a major, major thing, along with, of course, on a sales end, having phenomenal relationships with your dealerships. But quality workmanship, I mean, kind of going back with what I was saying earlier, basically, I'm not opposed to my competitors increasing their quality of work. I want everybody in the market to produce good quality. It might be tougher on me for competition reasons, but as long as, you know, everybody in this market is doing quality work, you know, there's no reason for customers to get scared away from the products that we offer as far as aftermarket accessories. So mm-hmm. that, that is a, a huge, huge thing that you can be cost effective and have good quality. And that's the most important thing is, is I think making sure that that quality doesn't get drowned out by, by uh, cost. How do you ensure that quality workmanship? What are some steps or processes that you take to make that happen? Yeah, so um, it's always something you got to stay on top of. You're you're always trying to perfect certain areas that that may lack, um, especially with I would say like certain parts of the business. So, for example, you have one complaint, then you if you don't you know take it seriously, then you'll you'll just keep having that complaint. You want to make sure that you address each complaint. You don't just say, well, you don't blame it on the customer. You know, that that's probably the uh, like the downfall for some people, I'd say, is it, it might be easy to say that customer is pickier. But it, as long as you take each complaint and take it seriously, um, it's an opportunity to learn and, and get better. And I think by relaying that, having meetings with my staff, explaining what areas that um, we need to improve on. Um, along with quality control checks, I think that that that's been something that's really worked well for us. Do y'all have a customer service philosophy? <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty blunt. You know, take care of them. We, without them, we don't exist. Sure. Uh, one example would be we we sometimes will warranty items like sunroof parts or sunroof repairs or leather repairs or remote starter repairs that that wouldn't necessarily qualify for a warranty, but. Uh, we want our customers to be confident in the products we offer, and we would rather eat a little bit of cost to keep them satisfied. Um, and obviously, we want them to have confidence in in the products that we're providing. So, um, and as well as our installations. So that type of area, I think we we try to go out of our way, and we'll we'll sacrifice a little bit to just make sure that that our customers uh, satisfied with with what we do. Mm-hmm. And do you find uh, are there vehicles that are more challenging than others to accessorize? Yes, absolutely. You know, for example, certain remote starters on high-end vehicles is uh, it's can be very complicated. I would say, as far as uh, you know, like our Rover packages and Chrome deletes and blackout packages. Yeah, some vehicles there's specific spots on it that are are really difficult to wrap really difficult to turn it into the effect that the customer is going for and that you're going for, but you know, it's up to you to figure it out. And, and some like a Volkswagen Atlas, for example, that thing's covered in Chrome. Um, and we, you know, we, we have a lot of variables to, to go through such as to be able to pull off the, the roof rack, you got to drop the headliner and you need a tool from Volkswagen to even pull the, the handles off of the headliner. So yeah, some vehicles, it's just very labor intensive, very complicated, you know, always brainstorming more effective ways to do things. Every, every vehicle has its demons more or less. Right. Is, is there a vehicle that y'all prefer to work on that, or that you like best? 
Well, if we could do uh, 50 Wranglers a month, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so much you can do with them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's wheels, tires, lift kits. Uh, the leather is a quick, quick turnaround. Not much labor involved with those Wranglers. Um, yeah, that, that would be the best way to go. It would be 50 Wranglers a month, and I don't need to go into any other dealership. Yeah. Is there anything that's particularly hot in your market right now, vehicle-wise, that you find that people are really wanting to accessorize? Yeah, so truck accessories have been huge. Um, the JL Wrangler, since 2019, that's been a pretty hot vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, those have been... Those have been a good selling vehicle and good accessory vehicle. I know I just kind of ranted about them already, but that's the fact. Um, so that's been a that's been a good one. But also the Chevy Traverse that's been a hot mover. We kind of create our own redline editions on them, kind of keep that bottom line low for for a redline edition package, and the dealerships are able to turn that into a pretty good profit. Are there any other products that seem to be uh, moving quite a bit? But you said the sunroof is almost an anomaly. I mean, you do a lot of them already, but they've been particularly uh, popular during the pandemic. But as we kind of seem to be normalizing a little bit, have you noticed any other uh, product lines that are, are moving very well? So, yeah, clear bra, um, film in general, window tint. People are really, really uh, looking to get window tint done, really looking to get clear bra done in it's been really surprising that during April, when like pandemic was happening, we had more calls on window tint in that month than we would on a normal month. So I think a lot of people have free time. I think mm -hmm. that's what I, I kind of chalked it up to, to get some things in their vehicle that's not, you know, doesn't break the bank. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, perhaps it could have something to do with that. But yeah, window tint and film, that's been, um, that's been a big one. Yeah. Have y'all found better ways to attract and retain good employees? So actually, um, the way I've I've seen things is that the labor pool has gotten larger these days um, with you know the pandemic and people you know not being able to uh, stay employed with, for one reason or another, which has actually helped find more qualified employees uh, that I think otherwise would have been employed. And so yeah, we've we've actually picked up quite a few people that have. A lot of knowledge, good experience, eager to work, and, and usually it's it's very limited to find someone who has whether or not it's the the product knowledge of what we offer, or just someone who is um, highly motivated and very mechanically inclined, and that's that's kind of what we look for as far as you know, technician standpoints, but uh, clerical staff as well. You know, we picked up a, a good general manager. Yeah, he's uh, highly motivated, just brings a lot to the table. Um, so, yeah, I, I've seen that within our job searches that there's a lot more applicants nowadays that are much more qualified for, for what we're looking for. Yeah. Are there certain things that you're looking for in an employee? Creativity. I think that's uh, something that we kind of lose track of in our day to day. You know, fresh insight, fresh perspective, having someone with with kind of outside the box thinking that's that's huge. Uh, because, you know, I, I, for, you know, the nine years I've been doing this, you know, it's easy to maybe get stuck on, uh, some sort of idea or kind of day-to-day process and having someone kind of break that process up because of just their, their ability to think creatively. I think that's very helpful. So I understand that, uh, y'all are opening a new location in Wisconsin. Yeah, we, uh, we started it up 
It was on the 12th of October. Uh, we were up and running. So far, so good. Everything's been, you know, given the circumstances with the pandemic, it doesn't seem like the smartest time to do anything like that. But uh, the way I began to see it is, you know, in Chicago, it's a pretty competitive market. You know, we've been fighting over the same piece of pie for so long that it, it kind of kind of seemed uh, beneficial and lucrative to to push into a different market and um, and kind of, you know, take what we have and in, in the success that we've had down here um, and kind of introduce that to the dealerships um, in Wisconsin. Are you taking a different approach with this? Uh, new location? Is it? Is there anything that you're doing differently there? Um, do you see different products, different packages going into that market or is it? Is it similar? So one thing that's interesting is there's a lot of dealerships up north that aren't fully aware of capabilities of a restyler for increasing profits. So I think the one thing we're doing definitely differently um, in comparison to what we do here, which isn't dramatically different, but we are strongly pushing dealership trainings, having our sales team go in and train their sales staff. We don't need to necessarily do that as much here, although we we offer it, but they are begging for it up north to have their sales staff understand accessories and uh, the ability to increase their profits on the store. So that's one thing that I think we're doing a lot more of up north than, than what we would be more or less less focused on in Chicago. What's your best advice to a shop who's looking at opening a new location? Make sure you plan. <laughs> make sure you plan because you want to make sure that you're not uh, you're not opening it up and just chasing your tail around. I guess the the best thing I could say is you really want to scout. Make sure that that the location you're opening isn't going to be cannibalizing on what you've already established. So you don't want to be you know, too close to your home base. Um, and then you're just trading dollars from one location to another, but you also want to make sure that the area in which you want to move to that you're, you're scouting, making sure that there is opportunity there, because if you're just excited and you have blind optimism, it's not going to do you any good and you know, good for you. You're motivated, but without, uh, having some sort of, uh, market survey of what's going on up there, uh, or wherever you're trying to open up your location, it's just kind of blind optimism. And that could be, that can make or break you. We decided that, you know, in Illinois in April, everything was shut down in pretty much a lot of places, but um, Wisconsin had opened up and we felt, hey, well, you know, we can't visit our accounts. They don't want us in there. You don't, you don't want to be doing anything that can obviously also endanger anybody. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, you're being pretty, uh, pretty smart with how you're visiting your, your accounts as far as a sales perspective comes into play during a, a pandemic like this. So um, when Wisconsin opened back up, you know, we took all the, the safety precautions to make sure that it was okay to visit. We would kind of reach out to some of the, uh, the people out there via phone to kind of see if there's any time we could set up a meeting. And um, luckily, we they're pretty open to uh, hearing from a new vendor that's interested in doing work for them. And we kind of uh, had a couple good uh, good conferences with um, some of the you know the various customers up north, and we were able to determine that okay, this this makes sense. You know, the amount of work that we could potentially get would make sense, and uh, so we just kind of kept going with it. Um, and it wouldn't have happened, which is kind of like a in, in throughout all the chaos, you, you have to. Um, realize that there's opportunity. And I think that's kind of how we felt about it is we're limited to what 
we can do in our market. And so let's think outside the box and figure out what would, what, what could we do different? What, what, and throughout this chaos, what will come out of this in a positive way um, that we can capitalize on? And that's kind of where we landed. I guess this would go back to answering your question of creative thinking. This might be um, one of the things that we we did. And Courtney was very big on pushing this direction to Wisconsin. And I'm a very pragmatic person, so it took a little bit of convincing, but but we ended up going with it. Um, and and, and we're, we're very happy that we did. I think I know what that music means. I think our time is up. You are correct, sir. And I really appreciate appreciate you talking to me today, spending some time with us. And, you know, maybe we'll follow up and do some, some updates. You know, definitely we'll be reading about you in the shop magazine. Um, and really appreciate y'all's contribution, uh, not only to the shop, but to the industry as a whole. So thank you so much, Garrett. Thank you for having me. So it's great to hear that top coverage is still moving and shaking during the pandemic. And if you want to find out more about Garrett and Courtney and the top coverage team, go to theshopmag.com and search Palky. That is P-A-H-L-K-E. And you'll get to find out a lot more about this sibling team at Top Coverage, plus some great insight and advice from them. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, adios amigos.